couple weeks ago, we did an episode about people disappearing in nature, and you know, we are in the camping season, and it's a perfect time. time to get outside and be scared in the dark. And so we thought, what better way to celebrate this time of year than with a campfire stories spooky hour? Mm. So if you're sitting around the fire and you want to be fucking terrified, yes, you can play this episode. We invite you to join us on our hunt for all things spooky. We're here for the tricks and the treats. I'm Elise. And I'm Haley. And And this this is Easy Easy Bake Coven. Okay, where's your face? Where is your beautiful face? Can you see me? Oh God, please don't tell me I froze no, again. No, no, no. I just was on. I was on GarageBand. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you you're so fine. Um, Why did I move GarageBand? I'm so stupid. It really sounded like you just said CrotchBand. <laughs> like that is a very yeah, different thing. Is that not what you use? <laughs> I use CrotchBand when I'm recording. <laughs> Do you not use CrotchBand? Oh. No, I like to keep things out of there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, depending on Some the things. Some things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, guess what it's time for? <laughs> it's ooh, those are my background <laughs> noises. Ooh. It's time for another spooky, spooky hour. hour. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing spooky is the fact that I literally sound like I have chronic emphysema and have been smoking fourteen <laughs> packs a day for the last thirty years. That is spooky. That's an exaggeration. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you sound much better than that. Um, but you know, a couple weeks ago we did an episode about people disappearing in nature and, you know, we are in the camping season and it's a perfect time time to get outside and be scared in the dark. And so we thought what better way to celebrate this time of year than with a campfire stories spooky hour. Mm. So if you're sitting around the fire and you want to be fucking terrified, yes, you can play this episode or if you want to steal these stories and tell them in your own words it's so fine because we (laughs) stole them also we didn't make them up this is not our original art no we are not that creative um Uh, and you you are pretty creative thank you Mm -hmm. thank you i appreciate that there are a few stories that i found that like made me think of some stories from my own (gasps) childhood not not scary things, but just like stories that from oh, the woods yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sure, as always, we'll be interjecting our own life experiences. Always. always. That's the richness of this podcasting experience, it's isn't it? Mm. It sure is. <laughs> there is nothing, though, quite as scary, I feel like, as a campfire story, like in the woods as a kid. Oh, my like, God, It's yes. just terrifying. And then having to like walk back to your tent in the dark. Mm-hmm. And being like, I will be murdered this eve. Yes. Mm-hmm. I also found when researching these that there was some crossover between urban legends oh, totally. and campfire yep. stories. I was like, wait, totally. we told this in the urban legends one. Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Because they're great stories to tell. Oh, they are. They're just, you know, they're a little ridiculous and fantastical, but And the idea that like it could happen anywhere, you know. Yes. Like that yes. it that it it was just a town away. This is local to wherever whatever place we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it can kind of fit any town yeah. that you want yeah, it you to. Yeah, you can make it like totally. general enough that it could be anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So with that, why don't you tell us our first camp story of okay. the night, Haley? This is my favorite scary story, like ever of all time. Oh my god! This, and we haven't heard it before. I don't think so. This terrified me as a child. Um, I think the book was called In a Dark Dark Room. Do you know it? No, but that sounds scary. I think that's what it was called. It was a scary story book 
that I think maybe my sister took out of the library when we were kids. I was definitely mm-hmm. not old enough to read it because I remember reading this <laughs> in the house that I remember like my very young childhood years in. And so we moved out of that house when I was like six or seven. So Oh, I just Googled it. It is called In a Dark, Dark Room and is it's it? got like creepy skeletons and goblins yes. on the front yeah. cover. It's like a compilation <laughs> of a bunch of spooky stories, kind of urban legend, like... And there's I like I feel like I need to buy it. You should buy it. It's really good. <laughs> it looks awesome. Oh, I don't know it's if it hilarious. holds up because I was a kid, but I think it right. probably does. It says on the front with these terrifying pictures of goblins and skeletons. I can read. <laughs> like, I think you're a little young for this. But you you can and you should not read this. You shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, you take it from young Haley. No, uh-huh. it's too scary. Yeah, don't do it. So this is in in this whatever website I found this, they called it a spooky Wisconsin story. Oh. Which is when you run out of cheese. (laughs) (laughs) That is scary. (laughs) (laughs) Jane wore a yellow ribbon around her neck every day. Do you know the story? Yeah, it's on my list too. (laughs) Oh my God, really? I love it. It's a good one. (laughs) And I mean, every day, rain or shine, whether it matched her outfit or not, it annoyed her best friend, Johnny, after a while. He was her next door neighbor and had known Jane since she was three. When he was young, he'd barely noticed the yellow ribbon, but now they were in high school together, it bothered him. Why do you wear that yellow ribbon around your neck, Jane? He'd ask her every day, but she wouldn't tell him. Still, in spite of this aggravation, Johnny thought she was cute. He asked her to the soda shop for an ice cream sundae. Then he asked her to watch him play in the football game. Then he started seeing her home. And come the spring, he asked her to the dance. Jane always said yes when he asked her out, and she always wore a yellow dress to match the ribbon around her neck. It finally occurred to Johnny that he and Jane were going steady, and he still didn't know why she wore the yellow ribbon around her neck. So he asked her about it yet again, and yet again, she did not tell him. Maybe someday I'll tell you about it, she'd reply. Someday? That answer annoyed Johnny, but he shrugged it off because Jane was so cute and fun to be with. (laughs) Well, time flew past, as it has a habit of doing, and one day Johnny proposed to Jane, and it was accepted. They planned a big wedding, and Jane hinted that she might tell him about the yellow ribbon around her neck on their wedding day. But somehow, what with the preparations and his beautiful bride and the lovely reception, Johnny never got around to asking Jane about it. And when he did remember, she got a bit teary-eyed and said, We're so happy together. What difference does it make? And Johnny decided she was right. Johnny and Jane raised a family of four with the usual ups and downs, laughter and tears. When their golden anniversary rolled around, Johnny once again asked Jane about the yellow ribbon around her neck. Was the first time he'd brought it up since the week after their wedding. Whenever their children asked him about it, he'd always hush them, and somehow none of the kids had dared ask their mother. Jane gave Johnny a sad look and said, Johnny, you've waited this long. You can wait a while longer. And Johnny agreed. It was not until Jane was on her deathbed a year later that Johnny, seeing his last chance slip away, asked Jane one final time about the yellow ribbon she wore around her neck. She shook her head a bit at his persistence, and then, with a sad smile, said, Okay, Johnny, you can go ahead and untie it. With shaking hands, Johnny fumbled for the knot and untied the yellow ribbon around his wife's neck, and Jane's head fell off. No! (laughs) It scared me so much when I was a kid. The one in A Dark Dark Room is much shorter. Oh, yeah. um, But the sort of... The the feeling is there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, The same principle is there. I, I think I'd heard it, but I didn't, like when I reread it for this pot for this episode, like it, it was the first time I'd heard uh-huh. it in a long time and it ends so abruptly, like, you know, like, and then and her the head fell off. Oh, I'm going to find the, I'm going to find the <laughs> illustration from that book for, um, please do for our, our photos. Our photos. Cause it's like, so I still remember it exactly in so my head. Creepy. 
Well, I remember, it's funny, you know, said this was like the thing that scared you the most. I remember when I, my aunt who lives in Canada in Mission, um, I went up there for a couple mm-hmm. summers after my mom passed just to spend like a month with her and her, her kids. She's got a set of twins that are, you know, five or so years mm-hmm. older than me. And my cousin John and I would make these scary movies. Like we just love to make scary movies. And I think they were watching Goosebumps and there was this episode of all these worms like there were just worms everywhere oh in this bed and like in this oh room. God. That's all uh-huh. I remember. Uh-huh. But I associate it with his bedroom when I watched oh. it. So like in her house now, whenever I think of that upstairs think attic bedroom, it creeps me out. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that really scared me. Oh, look Isn't at that. So that's in a kid's yeah. book. Kid's book. That's terrifying. But it's a green ribbon in that. Um, in that one yeah i saw there were a few yeah. versions with different yeah. colors and also that's like suki cat sitting at yes. the foot of her bed just watching her of course head. they use a black cat <laughs> so funny um okay so i'd never heard this one and it's not necessarily like super scary but it was it caught my attention enough that i thought i would tell it here so um this one is taken from scary stories to tell oh, in the yes. dark but i think it is a story that Probably, Probably came before has that. Been told many yeah. places. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> so here we go. Travel northwest into the desert from Del Rio, Texas, and eventually you will come to the Devil's River. In the 1830s, a trapper named John Dent and his wife Molly settled where Dry Creek runs into Devil's River. Dent was after beaver, which were plentiful there. He and Molly built a cabin from brush, and near it, they put up an arbor to give them shade. Molly Dent became pregnant. When she was ready to have their child, John Dent raced on horseback to their nearest neighbor several miles away. My wife is having a baby, he said to the man. Can you help us? They agreed to come at once. As they got ready to leave, a violent storm came up, and a bolt of lightning struck and killed John Dent. The man and his wife managed to find his cabin, but did not arrive until the next day. By then, Molly Dent was dead too. It looked as if she'd given birth before she died, but the neighbors could not find the baby. Since there were wolf tracks all around, they decided the wolves had eaten it. They buried Molly Dent and left. A number of years after she died, people began to tell a strange tale. Some swore it was a true story. Others said it never could have happened. The story begins in a small settlement a dozen miles from Molly Dent's grave. Early one morning, a pack of wolves raced in from the desert and killed some goats. Such attacks were not unusual in those days, but a boy thought he saw a naked young girl with long blonde hair running with the wolves. A year or two later, a woman came upon some wolves eating a goat they had just killed. Eating the goat with them, she claimed, was a naked young girl with long blonde hair. When the wolves and the girl saw her, they fled. The woman said that at first, the girl ran on all fours. Then she stood and ran like a human, swiftly as the wolves. People started wondering if this wolf girl was Molly Dent's daughter. Had a mother wolf carried her off the day she was born and raised her with her pups? If so, by now she would be 10 or 11 years old. As the story is told, some men began to look for the girl. They searched along the riverbanks and in the desert and its canyons. And one day, it is said, they found her, walking in a canyon with a wolf at her side. When the wolf ran off, the girl hid in an opening in one of the canyon walls. When the men tried to capture her, she fought back, biting and scratching like an enraged animal. When they finally subdued her, she began screaming like a frightened young girl and howling like a frightened young wolf. Her captors bound her with rope, put her across a horse, and took her to a small ranch in the desert. They would turn her over to the sheriff the next day, they decided. 
They placed her in an empty room and untied her. Terror-stricken, she hid in the shadows. They left her and locked the door. Soon she was screaming and howling again. The men thought they would go mad listening to her. But at last, she stopped. When night fell, wolves began howling in the distance. People say that each time they stopped, the girl howled in reply. As the story goes, the cries of wolves came from every direction and got closer and closer. Suddenly, as if a signal had been given, wolves attacked the horses and other livestock. The men rushed into darkness, firing their guns. High up in the wall, in the room where they left the girl, was a small window. A plank was nailed across it. She pulled the plank off, crawled through the window, and disappeared. Years passed with no word of the girl. Then one day, some men on horseback came around a bend in the Rio Grande, not far from Devil's River. They claimed they saw a young woman with long, blonde hair, feeding two wolf pups. When she saw the men, she snatched up the pups and ran into the brush. They rode after her, but she quickly left them behind. They searched and searched, but found no trace of her. That is the last we know of the wolf girl, and it is there in the desert near the Rio Grande that this story ends. Crazy. <laughs> I've heard like, you know, feral children stories, but I've yeah. heard that one before. That's fun. I think there actually was like a true story at some point of some kid living in the woods for a long time, and then yes. they like took him yes, into yeah. reality and he did not do well. And, and he died. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like really tragic mm-hmm. and sad. So I like the wolf girl story better where she learns you know lives in nature happily and you know yeah and and that she escapes and she's like nope i'm gonna do my thing y'all yeah exactly exactly yep so this one has animal attacking it as well oh boy okay once in a little village not that far from here there was a problem animals had started dying off one by one in the morning their owners would see them lying outside with 10 holes in their chest People thought it was the work of their neighboring town. And then in brackets it says, insert name. Because when you tell this around a campfire, you're supposed to oh. s- like put the <laughs> yeah. name of the next town over so that it like yeah. makes it like <laughs> seem, you know. They thought it was yeah. the work of Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> One night, a man by the name of Fred was closing his store for the night. It was very late and he was anxious to get home to his family. He shut off all the lights, then closed the door with a satisfying click. As he turned around to go to his car, he saw a dark shape in the distance. He stood still, trying to make out what it was. As it got closer, Fred turned to go. It was the last move he ever made. The next day, they found him with ten holes in his chest. This made the town quite worried. They were scared of more people getting killed. So one night, two brave brothers, John and Jacob, went out to get rid of the problem. They each took knives and walkie-talkies. They said goodbye to their father and... They said goodbye to their father and kissed their grandmother on the way out. The two boys decided to split up. One would go by the site of the murder and the other would wander the streets. If one was attacked, they could use their walkie-talkie to contact the other. So they set off, keeping a close eye on the shadows. Nothing seemed to be happening. It was a calm night and it seemed like they would get home safely. But then suddenly John heard a crackling in the bushes behind him. He tried to call his brother, but it was too late. The figure leaped out of the bushes and tackled him, gouging his chest with its nails. Luckily, Jacob heard the commotion and rushed to help him. He leaped through the air and cut the creature's right hand off. The creature screamed and ran. Jacob took John to the hospital and they bandaged him and sent him home. Doctors called them heroes, and finally they got home at six that morning. Only their grandmother was up, so they said good morning and then went back to bed. Neither of them noticed that she was missing her right hand. <gasps> oh my god, I just got goosebumps everywhere. <laughs> I've 
never heard that. Me neither. I had never heard it before. Oh my god! So their grandma's creepy, a crazy eh? bitch. <laughs> their grandma's like a crazy <laughs> monster creature. Wow. I've, yeah, that was a good one. I've never heard that before. Funny. Ooh, this one's kind of long, but it's creepy. Well, this one's actually found on the Creepy Pasta fandom website. Oh yes, so make love that it. What you will love it. Yes. So this is the story of the smiling man. Ooh. And it's tagged with a Reddit tag, so I feel like someone wrote this, which makes it really creepy. But we'll see. Love it. About five years ago, I lived downtown in a major city in the U.S. I've always been a night person, so I would often find myself bored after my roommate, who was decidedly not a night person, went to sleep. To pass the time, I used to go for long walks and spend the time thinking. I spent four years like that, walking alone at night, and never once had a reason to feel afraid. I always used to joke with my roommate that even the drug dealers in the city were polite. But all of that changed in just a few minutes of one evening. It was a Wednesday, somewhere between 1 and 2 in the morning, and I was walking near a police-patrolled park quite a ways from my apartment. It was a quiet night, even for a weeknight, with very little traffic and almost no one on foot. The park, as it was most nights, was completely empty. I turned down a short side street in order to loop back to my apartment when I first noticed him. At the far end of the street, on my side, was the silhouette of a man, dancing. It was a strange dance, similar to a waltz, but he finished each box with an odd forward stride. I guess you could say he was dance walking, heading straight for me. Deciding he was probably drunk, I stepped as close as I could to the road to give him the majority of the sidewalk to pass me by. The closer he got, the more I realized how gracefully he was moving. He was very tall and lanky and wearing an old suit. He danced closer still until I could make out his face. His eyes were open wide and wild, head tilted back slightly, looking off at the sky. His mouth was formed in a painfully wide cartoon of a smile. Between the eyes and the smile, I decided to cross the street before he danced any closer. I took my eyes off him to cross the empty street, and as I reached the other side, I glanced back, and then stopped dead in my tracks. He had stopped dancing and was standing with one foot in the street, perfectly parallel to me. He was facing me, but still looking skyward, smile still wide on his lips. I was completely and utterly unnerved by this. I started walking again, but kept my eyes on the man. He didn't move. Once I had put about a half block between us, I turned away from him for a moment to watch the sidewalk in front of me. The street and sidewalk ahead of me were completely empty. Still unnerved, I looked back to where he'd been standing to find him gone. For the briefest of moments, I felt relieved, until I noticed him. He had crossed the street and was now slightly crouched down. I couldn't tell for sure due to the distance and the shadows, but I was certain he was facing me. I had looked away from him for no more than ten seconds, so it was clear that he had moved fast. I was so shocked that I stood there for some time, staring at him, and then he started moving toward me again. He took giant, exaggerated, tiptoed steps, as if he were a cartoon character sneaking up on someone, except he was moving very, very quickly. I'd like to say at this point I ran away or pulled out my pepper spray or my cell phone or anything at all, but I didn't. I just stood there, completely frozen as the smiling man crept toward me. And then he stopped again, about a car length away from me, still smiling his smile, still looking to the sky. When I finally found my voice, I blurted out the first thing that came to mind. What I meant to ask was, what do you want? In an angry, commanding tone. What came out was a whimper. What? 
Regardless of whether or not humans can smell fear, they can certainly hear it. I heard it in my own voice, and that only made me more afraid. But he didn't react to it at all. He just stood there, smiling. And then, after what felt like forever, he turned around, very slowly, and started dance walking away. Just like that. Not wanting to turn my back to him again, I just watched him go, until he was far enough away to be almost out of sight. And then I realized something. He wasn't moving away anymore, nor was he dancing. I watched in horror as the distant shape of him grew larger and larger. He was coming back my way, and this time, he was running. Oh, God. I ran, too. I ran until I was off of the side road and back onto a better-lit road with sparse traffic. Looking behind me then, he was nowhere to be found. The rest of the way home, I kept glancing over my shoulder, always expecting to see his stupid smile. But he was never there. I lived in that city for six months after that night, and I never went out for another walk. There was something about his face that always haunted me. He didn't look drunk. He didn't look high. He looked completely and utterly insane. And that's a very, very scary thing to see. <laughs> so creepy. And also he moved like really fast. Like that's not just normal insanity. That's like yeah. ghosties. No, thank you. No, Hard thank no. You. Don't yeah. leave your house. Hard bass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's real spooky. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Okay. This one is really, really short, but this was okay. another one that I remembered from my childhood. People used to tell this when I was a kid. And I thought it was so creepy. This is called Girl Who Stood on a Grave. Oh. Do you know it? I think I do, but I don't have it on here. You're like, I that's actually the title of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it. It's about me. Yeah, it's written about me, you idiot. <laughs> Some boys and girls were at a party one night. There was a graveyard down the street, and they were talking about how scary it was. Don't ever stand on a grave after dark, one of the boys said. The person inside will grab you. He'll pull you under. That's not true, one of the girls said. It's just a superstition. I'll give you a dollar if you stand on a grave, said the boy. Grave doesn't scare me, said the girl. I'll do it right now. Fuck yeah, you will. Good job. (laughs) Badass bitch. Yep. The boy handed her his knife. Stick this knife in one of the graves, he said. Then we'll know you were there. The graveyard was filled with shadows and was quiet as death. There's nothing to be scared of, the girl told herself. But she was scared anyway. She picked out a grave and stood on it. Then quickly she bent over and plunged the knife into the soil and started to leave. But she couldn't get away. Something was holding her back. She tried a second time to leave, but she couldn't move. She was filled with terror. Something's got me, she screamed, and she fell to the ground. When she didn't come back, the others went to look for her. They found her body sprawled across the grave. Without realizing it, she'd plunged the knife through her skirt and had pinned it to the ground. It was only the knife that held her. She had died of fright. Oh, no. Go stick knives no. in graves at night. No. Also, like, you must have, like, a very substantial skirt that it didn't just rip away from the knife. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is it forget? made out of? Like, muslin? plunged the knife and you forget you're wearing a maxi skirt? Right. <laughs> to a graveyard? Maybe you died of being so dumb. You couldn't so even breathe dumb. anymore. When I, um, when I used to volunteer at Atlas Obscura stuff at Greenwood, uh-huh. we would be there at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning sometimes. And, like, the oh, cemetery man. is closed. Would it be spooky? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I never saw anything except, you know, people have those like solar powered lights, like decorative lights in their garden. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the 
one time I just like looked out across like a lake because they have all these sort of like ponds and lakes there and I just saw like some like light flashing and was like what the fuck <gasps> is that it's but an orb I realized it was just like someone had decorated a grave really heavily Aww. with all those so they all lit up at night but it was really creepy from afar and then like really late at night we were driving in my friend Megan's car and I think we were leaving maybe but it's like big it's like 500 yeah. acres you know so there are all these like winding roads and we like turn and there's just a red balloon in the middle of the <gasps> road just floating oh, across all over my slowly. body oh my god it, it was like oh that we we're all like that's pretty fucking creepy right yeah that's <laughs> like, weird, that's weird. Why is it here? probably someone just like released balloons at a funeral or something but or it's the balloons. scene from the movie it and the yes. crazy clown was about to come yeah, get thankfully you i've never seen any of those oh yeah that's good because you would have been scared or no scared no. Or, oh my god you would have been more scared not scared or less <laughs> <laughs> i would have been scared too actually yeah. <laughs> um have i told you the story of the balloon and my mom yes oh but i don't know that you've did we tell it on here I don't think so, but this feels so. like a great so place to do it. Totally. Yep. Um, so everyone who listens by, if you've been listening consecutively, you know that my mom passed away when I was a kid and um, we went to visit her brother before she died. I think it was the summer before she died. And for his birthday, we had given him a helium filled balloon and some other things. And when she died in October, um, he still had the balloon, but it was very deflated. It was just basically hovering over the ground, you know, how they get kind of flat and they're just like on their last leg. Right now and I'm like so- looking over at Russell's third birthday helium balloon is still sitting in the room next to me in the dark. Oh God, get rid of it. And it's just like, you know, kind of crumpled, but like still in the air. And I'm like, if this fucker starts moving while you're telling the story, I'm going to shit a brick. <laughs> I will also shit a brick. Yes. I'll run. <laughs> Um, so this balloon was on their first story of their two story house. And Mm -hmm. when my mom passed, obviously they were all extremely, you know, upset. And it was also on my cousin Taylor's birthday. So she learned her aunt had died on her birthday. Um, it was just really obviously a horrible thing. Mm -hmm. So they all were in bed together, you know, just comforting each other. You know, I think she was like, well, I was eight. So she was probably like four or five or something. She was Mm -hmm. a little kid. So they're all in bed together. And this balloon is on the, the first floor and their bedroom is on the second floor. And somehow this balloon that my mom had given my uncle went upstairs and made it into their bedroom. And then it circled the entire room. So weird. This Remember, it's deflated. Mm-hmm. So it circles the entire room and then touches each one of them on the head. <gasps> and they have to hit it away because it won't stop interacting with them. And they already and obviously, knew at this point that she had died. Yeah, they yeah. knew she had died. Um, and they're all freaked the fuck out. And the balloon circles the room again and goes back downstairs to sit on the first floor. And all three of them, if you ask them about it, it'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Like, so I I, I liked it. It's like, keep looking at this fucking balloon. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, don't discount the red balloon in the cemetery because it could have been a ghost. (laughs) I like to think like that's like a nice sentiment yes but whatever for whatever reason it's not, it's, terrifying. it's terrifying it's very scary <laughs> well like, like inanimate objects come, moving yeah please mm. like come to me in a dream don't hit me on the right. head as a creepy balloon well like the other thing i told you about what happened to my aunt and forgive me listeners if i've told it here but um you know my mom had really bright red hair oh and my when my mo- aunt her sister came for the funeral she bought a brand new powdered compact makeup and when she opened it brand new there was a strand of red hair inside and that that's like not creepy that's like oh my sister yeah but a floating balloon is like Whoa! 
<laughs> compact i still think i'd be like <gasps> you know like, yeah, like startling be really shocking yeah uh-huh. for sure and then startling, I'd be like, yeah. oh no that's nice she's like making that's herself sweet. known to yeah, me yeah she's yeah. okay yeah totally <sighs> um so this next one uh, i did allude to it in our urban legends one but I actually found the written story, and so I just had to tell it because this is the story that scared me as a kid. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I mean, loved, hated it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is the story of Axe Murder Hollow. And this Mm -hmm. version is taken from American folklore retold by S.E. Schlosser. Oh, that's that's (laughs) the same as the oh really spooky wisconsin story oh so he must be like a you know folktale guy yeah i love it well okay here we go susan and ned were driving through a wooded empty section of highway lightning flashed thunder roared the sky went dark in the torrential downpour we'd better stop said susan ned nodded his head in agreement he stepped on the brake and suddenly the car started to slide on the slick pavement They plunged off the road and slid to a halt at the bottom of an incline. Pale and shaking, Ned quickly turned to check if Susan was all right. When she nodded, Ned relaxed and looked through the rain-soaked windows. I'm going to go see how bad it is, he told Susan, and went out into the storm. She saw his blurry figure in the headlight, walking around the front of the car. A moment later, he jumped in beside her, soaking wet. The car is not badly damaged, but we're wheel-deep in mud, he said. I'm going to have to go for help. Susan swallowed nervously. There would be no quick rescue here. He told her to turn off the headlights and lock the doors until he returned. Axe Murder Hollow. Although Ned hadn't said the name aloud, they both knew what he'd been thinking when he told her to lock the car. This was the place where a man had once taken an axe and hacked his wife to death in a jealous rage over an alleged affair. Supposedly, the axe-wielding spirit of the husband continued to haunt this section of the road. I'd outside like, the car oh, let's just wait for the morning we can just, <laughs> yeah, both let's wait just stay here, here together, together. <laughs> That's fine. outside the car susan heard a shriek a loud thump and a strange gurgling noise but she couldn't see anything in the darkness frightened she shrank down into her seat she sat in silence for a while and then she noticed another sound bump 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 it was a soft sound like something being blown by the wind Suddenly, the car was illuminated by a bright light. An official-sounding voice told her to get out of the car. Ned must have found a police officer. Susan unlocked the door and stepped out of the car. As her eyes adjusted to the bright light, she saw it. Hanging by his feet from the tree next to the car was the dead body of Ned. His bloody throat had been cut so deeply that he was nearly decapitated. The wind swung his corpse back and forth so that if he thumped against the tree, bump, 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 Susan screamed and ran back toward the light and the voice. As she drew close, she realized the light was not coming from a flashlight. Standing there was the glowing figure of a man with a smile on his face and a large, solid, and definitely real axe in his hands. She backed away from the glowing figure until she bumped into the car. Playing around when my back was turned, the ghost whispered, stroking the sharp blade of the axe with his fingers. You've been very naughty. The last thing she saw was the glint of the axe blade in the eerie incandescent light. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh my god, that's so scary. <laughs> that was a way more detailed version than I'd yeah. ever heard. I heard a version <laughs> where like she hears a scratching all night and she yes. the wind and then he's like hanging above the car. Like yes. Her. Or like they get into like they have to pee and he just like walks into the woods yeah. and then he yeah. dies. That was like very scary and oh very god. dark. <laughs> Super creepy. I love it. Yeah. Okay, this one, it's written as though it's like a true story, 
I don't know if, if it actually is meant to be. I'm going to take okay. it as it is. Love it. Okay. Marsha Bennett told me this story herself. She'd been north to visit friends in the state of Washington. Now she was driving back uh-oh. to her home in California, right? The last lap of the day's journey was over the Cascade Range that stretches from Washington to California. It was late in the evening and snow had started to fall before she'd finally reached the little Oregon town where she planned to spend the night. Tired and ready for a hot meal and a good night's sleep, she stopped at the first place she came upon. It was an old motel on the main street. The lobby had a musty odor. The seedy clerk behind the desk signed her in. Her room was on the third floor, room 310. She helped an elderly bellhop with her luggage. As soon as the door to the room was opened, a blast of hot air struck Marsha full in the face. Along with the hot air came something else, something she could not define but that filled her with dread. It was heavy and depressing, she explained, with the strong scent of evil. She felt as if she were about to faint. All she said was, it's awfully hot. The bellhop tinkered with the radiator knobs, then he opened the window and left. The room began to cool off, but the feeling of despair and dread grew even stronger. It centered on the open square of the black window space. The terror seemed to speak in her mind. Go to the window, it said. Throw yourself out. <gasps> Terrified, Marcia flung herself on the bed furthest from the window. I kept saying no, no, no to that voice, she told me, but the voice kept insisting. You can't fight me, you puny thing, it said. Sooner or later, you'll jump. I'll make you jump. <gasps> At last, Marcia could stand it no longer. She jumped up, calling herself a coward. Coward or not, she explained, I was sure that if I stayed the night, I'd be dead by morning. Marcia was prepared to sacrifice the money she'd already paid just to leave, but when she went downstairs with her baggage to check out, the clerk never asked her what was wrong or if she wanted to try another room. He returned the full cash amount to her. Marcia drove down the street to a modern motel. As she entered the lobby, she felt the dark depression slip from her shoulders. She became almost giddy with relief. She'd planned to be on her way early next morning. Instead, she decided to stay over a day and look into the history of the old hotel to see if she could discover the reason for her terrifying experience there. She visited the local library to make a few inquiries. An elderly librarian sat behind the desk. I'm just wondering, Marcia said tentatively. Did anything shocking ever happen at the old hotel? The librarian looked at her strangely. How did you come upon, upon that bit of history? She asked. It took a, the hotel a long time to squash the story. The <gasps> librarian went on to tell what happened. One evening back in 1948, a couple checked into the hotel as Mr. and Mrs. Oscar Smith. The next morning, hotel employees found the young woman's body lying on the sidewalk outside the hotel beneath room 310. The man who had registered as her husband had disappeared. At first, they assumed suicide, the librarian concluded. But then they pried open her fist and found she was clutching a handful of dark, curly hair, not her own. So they made a search for the murderer, but he was never found. By the way, the librarian suddenly added, Isn't that a coincidence? It all happened on November 5th, 40 years ago yesterday. Probably so, not true, but very fun. It reminds me a lot of the storyline of 1408, which is a John Cusack film oh, you yes, still need to I see. I haven't seen it. Yeah, he like sees himself killing himself over and over again. And like he, oh, the room does all kinds of crazy things and it really wants him to kill himself. And so that's really interesting. So if a room tells you to kill yourself, yeah. you should leave that room. <laughs> do not listen. Don't go do to it. the Hampton or to Motel 6. Yes. <laughs> Preferably Hamptons over yeah. Hampton or Motel 6. But honestly, anything's, anything's better, better than yeah. Murder Hotel. Anything's better yeah. than Murder Hotel. So this one's actually from Reddit. I went online to look for creepy campfire stories. And Dude, you know, there's still so fake, many on but Reddit. So many good ones. Um, and this one is from Plyvoy111. So thanks, Plyvoy. Whatever that means. 
I remember one that one of my Cub Scout leaders told us on a camp out when I was probably seven. It took place during pioneer times. A man and his wife traveled west in hopes of either striking it rich with gold, or at worst, finding a nice plot of land to settle down on and farm, manifest destiny and whatnot. A few months into their journey, they came across just that spot, a beautiful plot of land to make their new home. Winter would be coming in a couple of months, so they built a hasty shack and figured they'd hunkled, figured they'll hunkled, hunkle, goddamn. <laughs> Figured they'd hunker down there for the winter and build a more established home in a few months when the weather was more permitting. They didn't worry as the area is teeming with wildlife for hunting and trapping, so they figured they'd be set for food. A couple of months go by and the winter's bitter cold and unrelenting. They've finished off the last of their food stash and they haven't seen so much as a squirrel in weeks. They're both slowly starving and freezing to death as they huddle in their shack, day after day with no end in sight. The man's wife is delirious with hunger. Fearing that they will soon be dead, he decides to go for a hunt. He musters the energy to bundle up and heads out, determined to stay out as long as it takes to find them both some food. A couple of days pass as the man takes shelter under impromptu stick shelters, keeping warm with a campfire in the nighttime and hunting in the day. Nearly frozen to death, mercifully, the man spots a beautifully plump rabbit several yards away. He takes aim with his musket, and bang! It's a perfect shot. With a newfound energy, the man runs home, giddy to finally feast with his wife. What the man doesn't know is that while he was gone, his wife had discovered some tasty flesh of her own. Literally. The hunger had driven her insane, causing her to believe that her now frost-bitten fingertips were ladyfinger cookies. She started off with a few nibbles here and there, slowly pulling the flesh away from her bones. After just a couple of hours, both hands were nothing but bone. So she worked her way up, her arms to the elbow. The feeling of something in her stomach just continued to drive her further until she had chewed away at every last bit of skin she could reach, culminating in her chewing off her own lips. The husband approached the shack with his now frozen kill when he got an uneasy feeling. Fearing the worst, he steps up to the door and slowly opens it, expecting to see his wife's corpse shriveled on the floor. But instead, what he finds is even worse. This zombie-like creature with exposed teeth and bones, writhing on the floor at the sight of him, chomping its jaws with an insatiable hunger. And then, the writer says, at that point, one of the scouts screeches for the leader to stop, which I was extremely thankful for, as it was easily the most terrifying thing I'd ever heard at this age. And then someone commented saying, the stop is planned because it makes it seem more real. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're ever telling that story around a campfire, add the stop. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing <laughs> and horrible and I love it yeah horrible and then I read of course a realist on the thread said um you know you, you would never actually eat yourself because you would eat yourself from the inside like you're, you would just eat all your muscle and fat naturally mm-hmm. you wouldn't like mm-hmm. actually you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. kill yourself so um I thought it was a good story <laughs> I love it no I, I came up I came upon it in my search and it gave me too much of heaps I was like I can't I can't do it so I'm I glad can't that you this. did I'm glad that you did it I'm all here for the heaps. <laughs> have you, I think we talked about this before, but maybe not on the podcast. Have you watched the movie We Are What We Are? No. What's that? Oh my God. What it's is like it? It's like a scary movie that I have only watched once in my life and I cannot watch again, but it's really, really scary. We Are What We Are. I think that's what it's called. Okay. It's an independent film. And um, when I lived in New York, I went to see movies by myself a lot. Mm-hmm. It's got 86 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's looks good. creepy. It's terrifying. 
and you know that's coming from me i'm not yeah like, scary right movies don't really scare me i went and saw it by myself in that sunshine mistake cinema. number one yeah in this like independent movie theater in the east village um that i lived pretty close to so i like had a, I don't know the better part of a bottle of wine and was like it. fuck it I'm gonna do it I, I was like anyone want to go see it with me no one wanted to go see it no one even knew what it was so it was me and like three other people by themselves oh, God. in the movie theater there was like no one in this theater oh, God. it was like this small film it's so scary I'm it's looking really at, creepy. at stills from it and even just like the lighting and the imagery is it's really, really well made is it there's about cannibalism couple, yes um there's a couple really good jump scares it's like a slow burn and then it's not, you know? Is it is it like a uh, um more of a um uh like a what do you call fuck. it? Yeah, mind fuck, like like um, a f- terror in your mind. Yeah, like because it's really it's really slow and you're like something is going on but I don't know what and they kind of like hint at it. So like the whole movie you're kind of like what's happening? Like mm-hmm. is what I think happening happening? And then at the end it's like bam 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 and it like kicks you in the like, soft. <gasps> okay, I need to see it. <laughs> you have to watch it. But like uh, I guess it's good it's a good time of year for you to watch it because it'll be light out for so long. Oh, but no, I should save it for the for the darkness because I love that. <laughs> it's pretty creepy. <laughs> Matt has never seen it. I I oh, like do you want to I feel watch like it, it would be up his alley he doesn't like if i if i suggest it it's not he doesn't like, like if it he came across it on his own it would be cool yeah you know? yeah except jokes on him because he's the one who recommended lamb so yes sharp yeah, yeah. <laughs> that movie was not good we've talked we've no. talked about it on this podcast yes we have it was i just like we need to mention it again not a yep. good movie don't see it <laughs> there's some good creepy movies coming out soon though i feel like yeah i've seen a few trailers like of things that i'm like oh Oh, that maybe when we're there in july we should just have a spe- a spooky scary movie night even though yes. it's july <laughs> whatever we can be scary it's never too early around. to be spooky mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay you tell okay. us yours this one is like not as campfirey, but it creeped me out and so that was enough that i was like yep you've made the list i mean any story can be a campfire story if you tell it around it a campfire around a campfire so exactly crackle ready crackle, for crackle. it crackle <laughs> that was the fire crackling <laughs> And, and dancing. Like, yeah, that was like my spirit <laughs> fingers were like the crackling. Yeah. Fingers. Okay. <laughs> it started with little things, strange incidents that were sometimes inconvenient, sometimes almost amusing. But then the heavy trouble began and the terror. In the early 1970s, two sisters, Lois Dean and Diantha Summer, moved their families into two old houses in the middle of Rollins, Wyoming, a small city in the Rocky Mountains. Lois and her husband and their six children moved into the big house. Diantha and her two sons took the carriage house right behind the main house. Very soon, strange things began to happen in the big house. Lights kept turning on and off. Mm -mm. At first, the adults thought it was just the kids playing around. But they soon found that the lights seemed to be going on and off by themselves, even when there was no one else around. Thinking it must be an electrical problem, Lois and her husband had the house rewired, but it kept happening. When the children were playing games, they would leave the room for a minute and come back to find the game pieces missing. An older daughter found the colors in her makeup kits smeared together. At first, she thought the younger children were doing it, so she banished them from her room. But it kept happening even after she padlocked the door. Family dog wagged his tail as though at an invisible guest, and his eyes followed something across the room. Side note, that's my worst nightmare. Yeah, hate it. It's like Nellie acknowledging someone Mm -hmm. that I can't see. Mm -mm. Nope. Sometimes in the big house, the bathroom cabinet would be found completely empty. Toothbrushes, combs, and medicines would all be gone to be found later in odd places. Again, Lois thought it was the children, but it even happened when they were all at school and she was alone in the house. 
Then things began to get rough. The boyfriend <gasps> Wait, of one of the girls. What? I might have heard this story. Oh, no. Really? Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I, I might know where it's going. Oh, no. A boyfriend of one of the girls is playfully climbing through a window. Something unseen picked him up and threw him inside against a wall. That was the end of that boyfriend. He never came back for another visit. Little Maybe bitch. I haven't heard this. <laughs> it's like, it's just kind of like a spooky haunting one. But if you're thinking of a scary one, I want to hear it after. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> if not, the, okay, okay, go ahead. <laughs> not long afterward, one of the younger boys said that he'd seen something in the garage. Mike, Diantha's 14-year-old, decided to take a look. He started out the back door of the big house and suddenly felt two hands grab him and throw him through the air, back into the kitchen, into the refrigerator. He had red marks on his chest as if something had scratched him. Lois was infuriated. She began yelling, I don't care who you are. I'm not putting up with you coming into my house and hurting my kids. She was so angry that she was momentarily unafraid. She dashed out into the garage. There, she saw a black shape. It was big and billowy, she says, and it was dressed like a woman in something black and long. It came toward her smoothly as though it were on wheels. Something black and cold started coming out of it like ribbons, she recalls. It started wrapping me in those strands. I could feel their coldness. I couldn't move. Then she felt her sister. Right. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Then she felt her sister, who saw the shape too, grab her from behind and jerk her away from the thing and back into the big house. The sisters sat up all night, praying as hard as they could, hopefully to Satan. The prayers may have had a good effect, for they never saw the, the thing again. They took to calling that incident the main event. Afterward, they felt the atmosphere to be a little less oppressive. However, everyone had a sense that the place was still not quite right, and before long, both families moved out. Then this part is where it gets stupid. In talking to the neighbors, only one event in the past seemed to hold a clue. Back in the early 1900s, a graveyard on the property was dug up and moved to another location. Of course. Rumor had it that two bodies were left behind. Were these the two restless spirits? We may never know. So, yeah, that's not where I thought it was going. Nope. <laughs> it just creeped me out when they talked no, about no, it's something super creepy. standing in the garage, like a woman dressed in yes. black on wheels. I was like, yes. Ooh. No. So I feel like I've heard a story about things disappearing and they think it's a ghost and then there's really like a homeless person living in their attic. Oh, yeah. There's a spook. <laughs> Do you remember that. that story? Yes. There's a couple. There's a spooked about that. It's like a real yeah. thing. Yeah. So you see why it sounded like that was like he's taking or, the toothpaste and the toothbrush. <laughs> have you seen the um, have you seen like the posts online of people convinced that like someone's in their house messing with them or whatever and then they start like they're starting to get increasingly paranoid and someone's like you have carbon monoxide poisoning you need to check your house <gasps> oh you're right yeah and they're like oh god i actually do that's like oh my god. a legit source of some like quote-unquote hauntings or mysterious occurrences carbon monoxide. people who have carbon monoxide poisoning. you know i also read that if you've got um i think this was because of reddit if you've mm-hmm. got vultures circling your house and there's not like a dead animal or something it's because there's carbon monoxide leaking and they're drawn oh, to that weird isn't that weird so that's not where my brain would go things like, to look oh there's for. a dead body in my chimney right <laughs> right right there's a corpse in the backyard yeah um super creepy creepy. yes if i saw Mm -hmm. a woman in black on wheels in my garage or a person living in it that i didn't expect to be living in my either of those outcomes are not great yes yeah um okay so these next few that i have i mean i've got one and then yours and then mine but they're all out most of them are outdoor related so if you want to be really scared this will do it for you (laughs) (laughs) while you're in the woods um these my next few all come from the occultmuseum.com they had a really great compilation of scary things so this one is called a perfect circle and as someone who loves to go camping it really freaked me out creeped you out um it is submitted by kitten in a bear suit (laughs) 
<laughs> of course, yeah, obviously. My pops and I are avid campers. Not professionals anymore, but my dad used to be a wilderness guide for kids. We typically prefer the eastern western Sierras as they have great car camping spots next to lakes and a lot of great trails. Last summer, we decided to go up for a two-night stay and do some day hiking. The campground was pretty full, not unusual for the summer, but we were lucky enough, I thought at the time, to find a pretty secluded site and we set up our tents. First night was normal, little bear activity, but we're used to that. Second night, I crawl into my backpacking tent, head and toes hit both ends, very small, and I pass out cold, until about 3 a.m. when I wake up to the sound of footsteps. My dad is a diabetic and needs to get up to pee around three to four times a night, and the sounds are definitely footprints, but they're coming from the wrong direction. We were located next to the bathrooms, so the footsteps should be moving in that direction, but they're coming closer to my tent. They stop about a yard short, and the breathing gets really heavy. I first brush it off as my dad, maybe lost without a flashlight. The breathing goes away. I fall back asleep, only to be woken a few minutes later to breathing right above my tent. You know that rush of terror up your spine? I had that. This wasn't dad. I laid perfectly still, but the footprints continued to circle the tent. I had the rain fly on so I couldn't see through the roof, and it was a new moon and pitch black. Now I convince myself, a heavy sleeper, that I'm dreaming. Just as that thought runs through my head, I feel a single finger run the length of my foot through the tent. Real slow and methodical. Now I figure I have to be dreaming, because my foot is in my sleeping bag and I couldn't possibly feel that. But that comfort disappears quickly when I realized, using the small ambient light available, that my foot was bare and outside of the bag. I laid frozen as whatever it was, stroked my foot for a minute or two, gave a few more labored breaths, and then just stood above my tent for what felt like an eternity before disappearing. I stayed up all night. In the morning, I heard my dad get out of his tent. I bolted up and met him by the fire. He looked me in the eye and asked if I'd gotten up the night before. I asked him the same, and he said he had at around 2 a.m. because he thought someone was going through our stuff. As I told him my story, we noticed our gear had been neatly rearranged on the table. Every item, nothing taken. Footprints in a perfect circle around my tent. We still can't even talk about it. And that's it? That's terrifying. Yeah, that's oh it. I got goosebumps all over. Me too. That is so scary. Sleep I remember, with a machete. Totally. I remember um, I was on a photo shoot last summer for Seattle North Country with three gal friends. And we hiked up to this lake and we camped around it. And there was no one else oh, there. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, we were kind of out. We were back in this little like bushy area. And we were surrounded by berries, which I mean, the whole lake was. But um, mm-hmm. we could have been a little smarter about where we set up camp. But regardless. So in the morning... I wake up to the sound of bears, which is like, yeah, which is like a clear sound of bears. And so, well, I guess first I heard a a stick snap Oh, uh and we're all in separate tents. And so I said, I yelled out, did anybody else hear that? And my friend Sam, who was in the tent next to me goes, she's in, you know, she's half asleep. She's like the twigs breaking. And I was like, I don't think that was a twig. It sounded really loud. And so now she's awake. I'm awake. And then we hear the huffing. Oh and I'm like, God. and the feeling of it's like, a, holy yeah, fuck, dread. it's here. It, I'm in this nylon fucking tent and, like, and there's oh nothing God. I it could, could be do. really big. Yeah. It, like who knows? And so, and you know, we're surrounded by berries, which bears obviously yeah. love. 
And so, you know, I had a lot of bear experiences when I was on the Appalachian Trail. And so I just started slamming my hands together. And uh-huh. the, one of the other girls woke up. And then the fourth girl, she had uh, earplugs in. So she didn't hear any of it. Oh, and I was like, what if there was? And when we got out of our tents and it had gone, it had left. So mm-hmm. we didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that feeling that there's something oh out there that could uh-huh. kill you is just uh-huh. like the scariest terrifying. feeling. I hate it. Terrifying. It's just terrifying. Yeah. So, Ugh, um, but her scare, her story is like real, real, real scary. You know, this reminds me of the spooked story of the girls who were camping at the hot springs. Have you heard it? I think so. Can I tell it? Yes, please tell okay. it. It's not on my list, but it's my tell favorite it. episode of spooked ever. I love that show. It's so good. You, you should just go listen to it. I don't want to ruin it for you, but I'm just going to well, fast tell forward anyway. like a minute. <laughs> yeah. So these girls are camping by the Rio Grande. They're like in, I don't know, Texas or Arizona. Could it be either? Okay. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Geography. Down there somewhere. <laughs> Down there somewhere. Um, and they like hiked out to a hot spring and they were like camping. Like you, you backpack in, you carry your gear okay. in and they were in the spring and this guy shows up, had also like hiked down. Oh God. It's like, I don't know, a number of hours, yeah. like a long hike in <laughs> and he has his dog with him and the girls are sitting in the spring, but they're like. I don't know, shoulders and stuff are above water. And he starts chatting with them and they just get the weirdest feeling. The there's heaves. three of them. And the and he puts uh he wraps a bandana around the dog's neck, I think. And it walks around in a circle and walks up and rubs up against each <gasps> of them. And it walks back to him and he takes the bandana off and he goes, See you later, ladies. And he walks away. What? And one of the girls was like, That was um he was getting our scent. That dog has been trained to pick up a scent. The oh dog my god! Getting our scent. Goosebumps on my right? body. Me too. <laughs> and um, so they're like, he's coming back. He's coming back tonight. Like, oh my god, we, we can't. What stay do we here. do? But it's a one way in, one way out. Oh my god! Gone oh back my god! Up the trail. So they're like, do we go? Like, what do we do? So they um, they like waited awake. They sat outside their tents and were like, what? What, what do, do we, we do? do? Oh my god! Then they see a light coming down the trail no, 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 like no, late no, at night no, no, no. it's dark so he's coming back as so expected oh my just god just book it they just start running through like essentially the desert right they just start running and they hear the dog barking oh my god he's chasing them <gasps> and they can hear the dog barking and barking i've had barking. goosebumps this entire time right, that you've been right? it's oh so god. intense so what happened it's so intense so they're like running and the girl who's telling the story is like at one point She's like, I can't run anymore because they're like they're running like up and down these hills. And right. She's like, they would like sprint up to the top and then literally roll down. Oh like, my just, god! Just like throw their bodies conserving down. energy. So she's like, exactly. Oh she's like, they're covered. Like they're bleeding. They're like, there's fucking like cactuses oh and shit. Like they're like her knees are skinned. Her elbows are bloody. And at one point, she said, I I can't run any faster. Oh He's my god. gonna catch up to me. Just please tell my family that I love. Oh them. my god! Tell my parents I love them. Right. And her friend's like, no, you are coming. She grabs Way her. She's go. like, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. So they see like lights in the distance. They see a house. So they're just like running as fast as they can. And they, the dog is barking the whole time. They can, like, barking, barking, it's barking, still barking. following them. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. And he's following them. Like he's like, they can see his little light on his Mm-mm. whatever, his little flashlight. So they finally get to the house 
and they bang on the doors they bang on the doors this guy like lets them in they, they like this guy's chasing us da, da, da. so he's like get inside and get down so they like all get down on the ground and they close the blinds and he watches and like for hours they're just sitting there watching and eventually he sees a car come back and it's like driving around the desert like insanely like in laps <gasps> looking for them like with they oh can see the headlights God. like driving around all over the place and they eventually so that they call the cops and i guess a ranger like hikes back in with them the next day to their stuff and found boot trails around oh all their tents right and they were like yeah i mean that was obviously him holy shit they are lucky to be alive i think that's insane and then she talked about how she was terrified of the woods after. I don't blame her. And like, it, she was like, it's such a violation because it's something that I enjoy so much, like right. being out in nature. And I feel like he's like taking this from me. So I can't remember if she was in therapy or if she was going to like a tarot reader or like someone mm. like, you know, more like spooky spooky working on it. And she was talking about like hearing that dog barking and the person that was helping her like work through this was like don't you understand why that dog was barking that dog was warning you the dog oh, knew well. the dog was trying to save you because <gasps> more that Christmas. she said do you think really a dog running as fast as it could couldn't catch up with you right. that dog could have caught true. you if that oh dog God. wanted to catch you that dog would have caught you <gasps> instead the dog barked so you knew that they were coming and you knew to get away because oh that dog God. didn't want to hurt you isn't that amazing Holy cow that is really amazing is that such an insane story you have to listen to it it's really I, it's funny. good i like feel like i have memories of it but there's just i've i listened to spooked when i worked on that farm for emily and i yes, just would yes, listen to it on repeat like to it. Yeah. yeah and so i think they all kind of blended together but totally. that's insane and it reminded yeah. me of two little side stories um yes. when ben and i went on a road trip in our van two summers ago i think mm -hmm. we stayed at these hot springs in idaho so that's what triggered it for me oh, hot I, springs. Oh, I, I feel like i've seen yeah, you saw pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so in our van, you know, we had tinted windows. But when there were lights on, you could see inside from outside. And so like fully inside or like silhouettes of inside? No, you could see like inside. Fully. I mean, but they were like up high. So like we had yeah. b curtains I'd made on the main yeah, yeah, windows, yeah. but like the skinny ones up high, I didn't make curtains for. Uh -huh. But you could still see if someone was standing, which I was. I was standing cooking and uh -huh. Ben was laying down. So the guy could only see me. And so from outside, we hear this oh, guy. I remember that. It was so creepy. So we are, or I'm making dinner and we're at this hot springs. That's like, it's really, there's a parking lot for it, but, um, but it's quite remote. Yeah. And to get down into the hot springs itself, you shouldn't go in the dark. It's really slippery. It's like lots of levels and tears. Uh -huh. And so I'm making dinner and I hear outside a guy calling for someone. And I can't remember the name. It was some name that sounded kind of like a dog's name. Like it was a weird name. And um, so he's like, so and so, you know, let's just say Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie. And I'm like, someone's calling for a woman or whatever. And so then he, you know. And Ben's laying down. So you can't. Yeah, he can't like, see Someone ben. outside couldn't see him. Right. It just looks like a woman's in her van. Oh and he says, excuse me, um, I'm looking for my girlfriend. She disappeared about an hour ago and I haven't seen her. And I was like, sorry, haven't seen her. And he keeps asking, like kind of insinuating, like, will you help me look? And I was like, No. <laughs> I said, sorry, dude, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen anyone and there's a ranger station like a mile back that you can go to and, and yeah, get help. help. You. Yeah. you need to report someone missing, go to right. a ranger station. So the next day a ranger came to like clean up and take care of the stuff. And I was like, Hey, did uh -huh. you have someone come by looking for a missing woman last night? And she was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. 
and I told her what happened and she was like oh yeah there's a lot of creepy people here there's drug rings that come through here there's like cartels like yeah that guy was definitely trying to get you to come out of your van oh my god good job listening to your instinct which is like I'm gonna stay in here totally and then second with the dog Mm -hmm. um, when I was on the Appalachian Trail we were out Mm -hmm. in the middle of the woods in the middle of freaking nowhere nowhere near a town nowhere near a road oh my god and all of a sudden this dog runs up on the trail (gasps) and we were like where the fuck did this dog come from like who are you in my brain I'm like your owner is dead and you're coming to get help <laughs> i know no he was just like happy to be with us like I, I nicknamed him ducky like he was like our little sidekick and so he just hikes with us for a little bit and then all of a sudden he gets like, in front like of multiple us multiple hours no like maybe 30 oh. minutes maybe 20 okay. minutes not long at Still all a long time yeah. though like yeah and i'm like that no one came running up right like do we have a dog now like is this yeah what this is yeah so he gets in front of us all of a sudden and starts barking and booking it and just fucking bolts and as he runs barking a bear in a tree right (gasps) off the side of the trail falls from the tree (gasps) and the bear takes off into the woods and the dog takes off after him and we never saw him again (gasps) guardian it was your mom it was your mom my mom was a dog dog. this time (laughs) your mom was bucky and she was saving you from that bear but it was like if if the dog hadn't come we would have walked right by the tree and it was high enough that we wouldn't have seen it so it was like have been bear food exactly it was like the craziest thing i was like where the fuck did this dog come from i know story before (laughs) you dumb bitch i like these little tidbits i know i know i know i know keeps things really good it's really good um but my next story involved a light on the side of a mountain so when you brought that up i was like oh my god segue okay let's hear it okay it's called the missing hiker and it was submitted by lipus americanus (laughs) i might know this (laughs) oh okay um and it's told by a park ranger so you know that's cool cool park ranger here Another ranger and I were out on a search and rescue call once. The missing person was a man in his 20s. He'd gone hiking and had not returned the day that he intended to. When we got the call... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe you... I think I know what you were thinking of. Like, ghosty kind of creepy things. Yeah. Yeah. When we got the call, it was nighttime. But we hiked in a few miles and set up camp on a ridge that had a pretty good view. He had gone into the woods prepared, so we decided to wait until daylight before beginning the search. At about 2 a.m., I get up, and I'm taking a piss when I see a moving light at the base of the cliffs, across the valley and a few miles away. Looks like a flashlight beam. I tell the other ranger, and we make the decision to keep waiting for daylight. The next morning, we decide to go check out the area and bring this guy home. He gets to approximately where I saw the light the night before, and we start calling his name. Soon, we find his body at the base of the cliff. He had fallen 60 feet on his head. The body was badly mangled. We radioed back that this has now become a recovery instead of a rescue. At this point, the other ranger yells to me to come look at this. Lying 20 feet from the man's body was his mag light. It seems odd, but I thought nothing of it until the other ranger reminded me of the light the night before. It kind of gave me the creeps, but I still dismissed it. Before too long, the coroner arrived and inspected the body. After he took the body back to the lab, he said that the man had been dead for at least 48 hours before we found the body. All of a sudden, the oh shit alarm went off in my brain. I knew that couldn't be possible. I had the coroner review his work. Same result. I tried to find an explanation for the light I had seen, perhaps other hikers. But one search and rescue guide stayed at the only trailhead in the area all night. No one had come or gone. To this day, I have no clue what I saw that night. But it freaked me out. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? I like like the idea that, like... 
the guy's like ghost was like hey make sure you yeah. find my body here check you here yeah just so you know please check here. here yeah it's like the kind one of that i was thinking of when you talked about like the light was uh, i remember like hearing it as a ki- i think probably like at camp when i was a kid no because uh-huh. i went to christian i went to Bible oh, yeah, camp, so they were not yeah. telling scary stories <laughs> maybe like school camp because mm-hmm. we used to go you know like to like outdoor education every year mm-hmm. about like um like pioneers who got stuck in a blizzard or something and now mm. when you go out on a clear night you can see the lights of their lanterns Ooh, in the isn't that mountain across the oh. way or whatever yeah like i don't like, i just remember that sort of detail of that and like the oh. imagery of it stuck with me because it was so creepy it's very creepy something about the night and storms and lights Blew, not good this is like a classic but it still gives me the heaps, the heaps. all these many years later this is called keyhole A man went to a hotel and walked up to the front desk to check in. The woman at the desk gave him his key and told him that on his way to his room, there was a door with no number that was locked and no one was allowed in there. Especially no one should look inside the room under any circumstances. So he followed the instructions of the woman at the front desk, going straight to his room and going to bed. The fuck was that? Ghosts. No. The next night, his curiosity could not leave him alone about the room with no number on the door. He walked down the hall to the door and tried the handle. Sure enough, it was locked. He bent down and looked through the wide keyhole. Cold air passed through it, chilling his eye. What he saw was a hotel bedroom, like his, and in the corner was a woman whose skin was completely white. She was leaning her head against the wall, facing away from the door. He stared in confusion for a while. He almost knocked on the door out of curiosity, but decided not to. He crept away from the door and walked back to his room. The next day, he returned to the door and looked through the keyhole. This time, all he saw was red couldn't make out anything besides a distinct red color. Perhaps the inhabitants of the room knew he was spying the night before and had blocked the keyhole with something red. At this point, he decided to consult the woman at the front desk for more information. She sighed and said, did you look through the keyhole? Mm. The man told her that he had, and she said, well, might as well tell you the story. A long time ago, a man murdered his wife in that room, and her ghost haunts it. But these people were not ordinary. They were white all over, except for their eyes, which were red. <laughs> Ew, so staring at him creepy <laughs> i remember thinking that was so scary as a young person that's like an anti-albino story like they're making fun of albino oh god yes <laughs> it's like a racist towards albino yeah it is well and like in i feel like the iteration that i heard as a child was just like her ghost was pale right. with beady red right. eyes <laughs> right which Not is like very they scary they were special they were people. white people <laughs> With the red eyes. They had albinism. We're racist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, if you retell that story around the campfire, take Just out the it. ableism horseshit. Make shit. it a 2022 version where their ghosts yes. are, are see-through because they're ghosts. Yeah, exactly. And they have, and they have red, red eyes, eyes because yeah. they're ghosts. They're ghosts. <laughs> there are ghosts who got caught in like a flash of light. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, take us out, Lisey. Okay, here we go. This is another one that's good for the woods, and it's called Laughter in the Night. And I have a follow-up No, thank you. Personal don't want to hear story. it. Uh, I mean, like, I want to hear the story, yes, but I don't no, want to hear know. Laughter in the Night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Unless don't it's mine. It. <laughs> okay. My dad and I would occasionally go hunting together when I was a kid. I was 14, and my dad knew a guy who owned what seemed to, who, who owned what seemed to be half of Georgia. I mean, the amount of property this guy owned was ridiculous. He let people hunt out there, and if he trusted you, he'd let you camp out there for a couple of nights if you wanted. He'd always make sure we had a way to call for help, though, before we did it. 
I love camping out there more than I did just going hunting for a few hours then coming home. I like the woodsman feel of living out in the woods. We woke up early one morning and hiked out there. It was still dark when we got to our stand. We didn't see or hear anything, not even birds. I remember my dad commenting on it, and looking back, it should have been a sign. Frustrated, we pack up and look for a spot to camp, and we would set up again later that evening. My dad suggested we go deeper in to better our chances of seeing something, so that's what we did. We hiked for a few hours, found a clearing, set up a small camp, got settled, and passed the time freaking ourselves out by talking about Bigfoot and other woodland creatures. We hike away so away from our camp, set up our blind, and wait again. Nothing. We get back and our tent has been pulled up and laid flat. Not in a neat way, but it's just kind of laying there. We thought it was just the wind or something and we didn't put it upright and it collapsed. We didn't think much of it. Since we didn't see or even hear anything all day, we decide to leave the following day and try again later in the week. We settle in for the night and build a really small fire and just relax. Again, not even birds are making a sound. I remember thinking how odd it was to be this deep into the woods and only hear one or two birds the whole trip. Oh well, maybe we're making too much noise and scared everything off. We got to sleeping soon after settling in. It's pitch black, middle of the night. I wake up for some reason just to try to go back to sleep. I'm in that half asleep, half awake phase when I hear laughter. I kind of jolt awake but don't hear it anymore, so I figured it was a dream. I lay back down and a few minutes later I hear it again. It continues and gets pretty loud. I wake up again but this time my dad is up too. He whispers and asks, did you hear that? And this is when my heart dropped. He heard the laughing too. It wasn't a dream. We heard it again, but it was faint, and now that I'm actually awake, I'm paying attention to it. It sounded kind of like several people laughing in unison. It wasn't cackling or hysterical laughter, but just kind of normal laughter. It didn't last but maybe five or six long seconds. I've never felt that much fear before in my entire life. We didn't hear it anymore after that, but needless to say, we didn't get any sleep. We packed up as soon as the sun came up and got the fuck out of there. My dad was convinced someone followed us and was playing a prank. That's why we didn't see anything. He said while we were in the stand and blind, they were scaring all the wildlife off with their unmasked scent and being on the ground. He says this, but he didn't go back out there for over a month. When he finally did go back, he mentioned it to the guy who owned the property. He wouldn't let my dad hunt there anymore. Didn't say why either. My dad thinks he made the guy think that my dad was crazy or something. I guess it's possible for someone to have followed us out there. They must be legit ninjas though, because we went out before daybreak. Nobody but the owner was parked out there that morning. There were dead leaves and sticks everywhere, and when they decided to laugh, it came from different spots, and I never heard a footstep. Mm, weird. Creepy. So the hunting no. part of that story reminded me of a story my dad told me mm-hmm. from when he was hunting. Um, and it's funny, I just found a Reddit thread about scary things that happen in the woods outside mm-hmm. of researching for this. Mm-hmm. And um, I told the story and I got a detail wrong because um, I just asked him about it again for this podcast. Uh-huh. But he was out in the woods in Florida and he was you know, deep in the woods and there were kind of trails that hunters would follow. But regardless, he's deep out there. And so he's walking and he hears this just horrible scream, like just this weird sound. And, you know, he spent a lot of time in the woods and um, he knows a lot of animals, especially in Florida. Yeah, what sounds are. He's not one of those people that hears a raccoon and on Vashon is like, a cougar cougar. was stalking me in the trees. Right. So he hears something that he just can't explain and it makes him stop. You know, he's like, what the hell was that? So he keeps walking 
And then a few minutes later, out in the middle of the woods, on this trail, a man comes riding toward him on a bike, wearing nothing but a Speedo, and his <gasps> testicles are outside of the Speedo, hanging oh over God. his bike seat. Oh and so my God. dad, like, steps to the side of the trail, clutches his gun a little bit closer, and just, like, lets the guy pass and you waits. You and your scrotum could continue yeah, on your exactly. way, sir. And I was like, did you ever report that? Because to me, those two things are inextricably linked, like the scream and the man. And it's like, no, I never did, but it freaked me out. I don't know why my brain out. was still on the balls. I'm like, <laughs> he couldn't have, he shouldn't have been exposing himself on the bicycle. <laughs> Yeah, but like why was he, he back there nothing was that him I mean, screaming was that someone that he was harming screaming i don't know i always assumed he murdered was someone meth? right mm. yeah i don't know i mean it's florida so it's very possible it was meth. <laughs> all of the above is <laughs> yeah, possible. all of the above but that always scared me so much oh my god yeah and one night this is another appalachian trail story we were at a shelter and a lot of these shelters are like very crude they're just like platforms mm-hmm. and then they're completely open and there's like hangings like like places to hang your pack on um mm-hmm. old fuel mm-hmm. canisters so that mice won't come and eat oh, your pack uh-huh. and so often the front of the shelter is just filled with all these packs that are hanging right and so i and remember is there like other people sleeping in there yeah too? Like not yeah. just your yeah yeah just they'll like have their people. their pads set up next to you and i remember one night like a forest hostel yeah some guy um had he he was kind of weird and he would have these nightmares because you'd end up hiking with a lot of the same people you know you'd meet up at the same hostel or same uh, mm-hmm. shelter and he would get this like demonic voice he'd like talk like <laughs> in his sleep and it's like fucking <laughs> terrifying it was so terrifying oh <laughs> so scary oh my god but this one night all our packs are hanging and this totally exposed so you're sleeping in the woods is just right there you're not you know you're Mm -hmm. protected from the uh, rain Mm -hmm. but it's all out there and this thunderstorm starts happening and there's lightning and so every time lightning would strike it would light up the woods and the packs are in front of it so it's this very like epic looking thing and so this thunderstorm lightning storm is happening and all of a sudden this crazy shrill scream goes through the woods and like i'm positive it was an animal of some sort but in that moment it was like holy fuck like i'm glad that this shelter is is full of strangers because actually (laughs) well there weren't many i mean some of them could only hold like four or five people like okay and i think Mm -hmm. that night there was only one other person with us so oh my god yeah yeah yeah. unless you're a murderer yes then i'd rather be alone (laughs) oh my god that's so creepy so Hopefully everyone has gotten like royally freaked out tonight by our campfire stories. And the next time they go camping this summer, they'll have some stories or, to tell. There won't be a next time because you're too afraid of the woods now. <laughs> I personally am like, mm, <laughs> maybe not. I think I need a camper. <laughs> yeah. I'd like walls around me when I'm in the woods. I don't blame you. We've learned a lot that you should have walls around you because or like it's I need dangerous. I need like a machete. Yeah. Well, you, you know, could, I need- you can do that. Yeah, I mean, when I was in the van and that guy was spray. out there, I definitely gripped my knife a little tighter. I bet. Like, very come scary. at me, fucker. I'm yeah, going to stab bitch. you with this. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do, knife. but I'm going to do it. <laughs> but I'm going to do it. I will not go down easily. No, I will <laughs> not. Crazy. So yeah. spooky. Oh, that was really fun. And yeah, I also lo- scary. I that. And I'm like, I know. Oh, God. It's it was like really quite fun. dark. Is it still light there? Yes. Here's a here's a little look see. What? That's so crazy. That's so cr- I've never I been know, somewhere that's light that late at night. It the birds chirp all night. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wait, what time does the sun go down? Um, let's see what my like phone the middle says. of the night. Yeah, I mean when we go to bed at like midnight. If I go to bed at midnight, it's like still you know twilighty out. 
Um, the sun does not technically set until 11.34 tonight. Wow. <laughs> and even then, it's still like, it's not pitch yeah, black Yeah, it's not pitch black. Mm-hmm. And then when when does it come back it up? It comes up at 4.17. <laughs> oh my god it's like a very small amount actually you're very safe against vampires yes yes the vampirologist would have no fun here studying vampires and werewolves you're like pretty set there's a very minimal night night or moon situation so you're you're safer than the rest of us Mm -hmm. yeah so in the in the winter though the vampires are really they have a lot to do (laughs) no yeah very good point so not good not good um if listeners have a good creepy story that is good for a spooky hour or if you have an idea for a spooky hour or any episode and you have things you want us to talk about, send us an email Please tell us. at theeasybakepod at gmail.com mm-hmm. and visit yes. us on social, Easy Bake Coven Podcast. Easy Bake Coven Podcast. Yes. <laughs> the it's like we both know. E- the Easy Bake Coven Podcast.com. No, the. <laughs> easybakecovenpodcast.com <laughs> no the one day i'll know it all <laughs> nice. one day i'll know that know it all off by heart i feel like you do know it it's just that the slipped in there what can i you say know? it's 11 o'clock at night yeah and i'm useless no you're not how's that balloon doing back there i thought i saw something move ha 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 that's not funny it's over there it's really windy so my the wind chimes and our trees keep going I'm oh like, Fuck that's off. not good not right fucking not now. today mother Nature. not right now not today no wind <laughs> matt doesn't matt goes to bed at like one or two in the morning uh-huh. so i go to bed alone most nights i'm about to text him and be like hey <laughs> do you think you can like there, come buddy? to bed a little sooner tonight <laughs> could bring the dog up and, and i don't want to be alone right now <laughs> We just told a lot of scary shit, and it's not not good. Just wake up, Russell. Hey, when are you? Hey, dude. He's like, yes. Up. That'd be his dream. No, not doing it. Bad parent. Not doing it. Uh, All right, friends. As always, don't forget to keep it spooky and make it sweet. Happy Happy haunting. haunting.